Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com. But most importantly, if you want to interact on a daily basis, Hyperclean Specialists on Facebook. Great group of people sharing work, sharing ideas, asking questions. Can't say it enough. That would be the place I'd look to find us on a daily basis. It's a lot of fun. You're getting to see the products in use. And I'm really, really shocked at the popularity of that group and, and how everybody interacts. So go check us out there. I want to start here today. Uh, just wrapped up a C8 Corvette, full body PPF. Every piece of paint has been protected per the customer's request. This was a big learning experience for us here. You know, as many of you know, this is our first year of offering PPF services in our shop. It's always a humbling experience because this had the 5VM package, which is like a ground effects package. It's the first time I'd seen it in person. A lot of intricate parts, testing my skills testing where I was at, our policies, our procedures, getting everything dialed in the way that we normally do. And it's a great learning experience. A lot of things come out in these projects. For those of you just getting your start in detailing, that could be a basic interior, an exterior, things you learn along the way. You could just be started starting your polishing career. You could just be starting to sand. You could be starting any type of service. It's always a fight at the beginning. And the, the fight isn't, you know, five minutes long, you know, this is an ongoing process of trying to make your process better, uh, trying to make it more fluid, make it more profitable and all these other different things. Here's what I'm going to continue to say. And let's talk a little cars for a second. We had a Porsche in the shop as well, a brand new uh, 911 turbo that needed a front bumper PPF replacement because of a bad install. And so we had a couple Porsche people in and, and, and I always love getting these new cars and seeing the bells and whistles and driving them around a little bit, but there's a very big misunderstanding about the new Corvette. I get it that most people that listen to us are younger and Corvette's gone through a big facelift, but I saw it even with older, the older crowd that came in here with this Porsche, you know, just to continue to crap on the C8 Corvette, because maybe you don't love the design. That's a fine thing. But when you're actively acting as if it's not a great sports car, you're kind of not a car person. It's a great sports car. They did great on the redesign where the engine sits and the power it has. When Z06 comes out, which is the co conversation we got into, the, the C8 Z06 is going to be a special sports car at its price. You know, remember, you're talking about largely a sub $100,000 car to get a mid-engine car at this price, with this technology, with this power, with this gearbox. You know, if you want to sound educated about cars, you can't just shit all over the C8 because it's a Corvette. The big red flag to real car people is when you just crap on something because Corvette's not your brand. And look, I've owned a Corvette. In the past, I'm not a Corvette person. I had a chance to buy one at a crazy price. So I did, and I enjoyed it, and I sold it. It wasn't the favorite, even in the top five cars I've ever owned, 10 cars I've ever owned. 
But when I saw C8 and I've driven it around, it's a great car. And it's a great sports car for $80,000. And the Z06, if all jumps off the way it's supposed to, most of those should be sold for under $110,000, $120,000. The amount of power in the mid-engine you're going to get is unbelievable. This is a C8 Stingray. Sounds great. Not a perfect sound, an engine, but it's a good sound. It's a great car. So don't be the bonehead at the party that's like, oh, you know, well, it's not a Porsche. Did anybody say it was? But I can't get into a reasonable Porsche for 180 grand. It's not the same thing. And this is the interesting thing about cars to me. I've never been a brand loyalist at all. I just like whatever's a good car, whatever's a fun car to drive, whatever looks cool, whatever I like the look of. Now we've gotten into this really heavily segmented thing in the sports car market. This used to go on in trucks a lot, still does. Are you a Ford guy or a Chevy guy? Fine. You a Dodge guy? You're that all good. But sports cars used to be one of those things that good sports car enthusiasts just respected a good sports car. Now you got BMW guy like, well, you know, it's not a BMW. Well, a brand new M3 cost me $130,000 fully spec. And it's not going to have the power or the handling of the new Corvette. So why are we having this discussion? Why can't we just respect that it's a great car? So I had a kind of a funny conversation with two of my really good customers, Porsche people to the death. I love it. But Porsche is not the only company that builds a great car. And Ferrari's not the only company that builds a great sports car and, you know, so on and so forth. It's one of those wild things that's happened where, People want to continue to act like this is your grandfather's Corvette. No, it isn't. This is a mid-engine car with incredible power and handling and a great gearbox. You got to live in the now, man. Like, don't be behold. For those of you that haven't driven a C8 because it's a Corvette, go drive one if you have the chance. It's fun. I didn't say I was going to go buy one or that'd be the first car I'd ever buy or anything like that. But for 80 grand, if I could get a highly powered C8, there's a lot worse ways I watch people spend 80,000 on cars. Trust me. So again, I'm going to say it. I said it last week. I'm impressed by C8. I think the thing that they got to get fixed and they won't because it's, it's Chevy. they never fix these problems. The back tire is not wide enough. So it doesn't take up the wheel. Well, so it sits funny. They need a wired wider tire on the back. That's obvious, but they also need to, to, to fix the rake of the car. And if they don't do that, then the car is going to sit funny. But this is the first generation, guys. Like, I know they're not going to fix it, but in all actuality, Corvette, to be where it's at in its first release during the pandemic, I'm shocked. And I'll give props where they're due. It's a great car. It's a great car. Now, were they forced into that design because the last Z06 front engine was so incredibly powerful that it was uncomfortable to drive and they were at the end of the road? Sure. But they still made the change. They still went to a mid-engine. So to me, I want to give credit to that. You know, and, and I, the only thing that got this on my mind is literally last night I was having a conversation in my shop with two Porsche people, and they were just derogatory. And I had to say to them, you guys aren't car people. You're Porsche people. You're a brand person. You're not a car guy. Because real car people, look at Jay Leno. Jay Leno doesn't care what car he owns. He just cares that he likes it. That's the kind of car person I aspire to be. I wish I had all those cars, but just 
I'm brand agnostic, man. Whatever's a cool thing to drive, whatever's, you know, a comfortable SUV for me to take a trip in. I, I don't care what the brand says. You know, I got an E90 M3. I'm not sitting here saying BMW builds the best car on the planet. You know, it's not, it's just a fun car. So full body PPF will really test you. We don't do, haven't done a ton. We've done a few. Uh, it's not our business model. We do a lot of full front ends uh, for our clientele, but I always love doing these projects. And I want to branch into something here today. Uh, Marty and I will talk a little bit more about the car market next week uh, instead of on this episode. So I want to jump into something about PPF. There's a lot of encouragement that all detailers should jump into PPF. Everybody should be doing PPF. Slow down. But let me talk about the PPF market. For those that don't know and you're just kind of getting your feet wet in this industry or those that haven't looked into it, most PPF shops come out of tent shops. Most tent guys are the ones that jumped into PPF. A small section of the PPF market are detailing guys that jumped into PPF. But largely, it's mostly tent guys that just built a film business from tent and PPF, and they don't really detail cars. That's all good. But it's led to a mindset, for those of you that understand the tent market, which is probably one of the worst markets on the planet uh, in the automotive business, in my opinion. But that tent mindset is really prevalent in the PPF market. And I've had a lot of guys reach out in the last three to six months about what I'm doing, how I'm pricing things, what I see, what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. And I can say that detailers should take real solace in this because we always complain about the detailing market being underpriced. I actually think in the last year, the data that I've gathered from great phone conversations and, and the PPF market as a whole and talking to 20 in year industry veterans and owners of PPF uh, companies themselves. I think there's a lot of bad information in the PPF market when it comes to pricing. By my best estimates right now, I think most PPF work is underpriced by 30 to 40% in the market. And I know what everybody that's a PPF guy is going to say, well, you know, how am I supposed to sell it any higher? The guy down the street, I got it. We hear that in detailing. And that's why I'm having this conversation with the detailing crowd right now. How did PPF get here? Well, if you've ever watched the tent market, I mean, it's, it's like the fastest of who can charge the least. That's their whole business model. Okay. That's been that industry for 20 years. I've been detailing. It's always been the same. I think a lot of that has bled into the PPF industry. And most of the guys and gals that are out there training through manufacturers of PPF, 3M, Expel, uh, Avery, doesn't matter, you know, Hexus, you, you name the companies, are largely people that didn't make it in the shop environment. So they're, they're there in the training model to teach you, but they don't really know what's happening on the ground level. This is the same argument I have in the detailing industry. We got a lot of people training skills. And man, great that they're teaching you how to polish but you got to learn how to charge people. You got to learn how to make money if this training is going to mean anything. So what I see in the PPF market, which I think is just interesting to talk about here is largely people would be shocked that most PPF company installers have a hard time making money. 
Why do they have a hard time making money? In my opinion, they're not charging enough. They're not efficient enough. They don't understand their cost. Because remember, when I'm installing film, I'm installing a good that costs a considerable amount of money. A roll of film, 1200 bucks to your door, 1300 bucks to your door, 1400 bucks to your door. You cut a bumper wrong, you may lose 120 inches, 110 inches of film on a 50-foot roll. That's significant money. What if you have a piece that doesn't go on right or you got a massive lift line? And now you got to replace the piece. You've done that piece twice. Have you charged enough for that risk? So one of the things I want to talk about today is that for all the guys that I've talked to in the last year, what I realized is PPF is in a bad spot with their pricing. Most guys can't make money. So let's use an example here of what I'm saying. Let's just say the industry standard is and I'm not saying it is, I'm giving you a price point so we can talk about it, is to charge $19.99 or $2,000 even for a full front end. You realize that advice has been given out for like the last five to six years. We have inflation, real estate's through the roof, food costs is through the roof, insurance costs is through the roof, rent's through the roof. Pricing on film has gone up considerably in those five years. How in the world are we still charging $19.99 for a full front end? Well, that's what's at the training center. And the training center already has its literature done, and there's a big whole thing to change that. And so we're just going to keep telling guys to charge $19.99 for full front ends. Plotter cost has gone up. You haven't factored in mistakes at that price point. So my best estimate right now that the PPF installer would be in a better position if they were charging $24.99 or $29.99 for a full front end. And everybody goes, well, that's obvious. Well, it's not obvious to everyone because I've had a lot of educated people argue with me on this. Oh, that's not needed. You can make a lot of money. When you've been doing it 20 years, you're really crazy efficient. But the guy that's under five years of running his business, it's really hard to make it at $19.99. You want to know why? Because he's making mistakes and he's learning and he's getting more efficient. I installed my first piece of PPF back in early 2000s. And even I, re-engaging with PPF, am having moments where time is slow. Quality isn't up to my standard. We got to rip a piece. Now, maybe that's being particular. That's fine. But one of the things that I found is I've had many guys reach out to me that are doing $100,000, dollars $400,000 a month in PPF. Some of those guys and a lot of them telling me they're not making very much money. I've told detailers this before. If you can't make money at $5,000, you can't make money at $100,000. It doesn't magically get better. It gets harder because the cost of everything has gone to a level that now you can get really out of control really quickly. I think one of the interesting conversations that I don't really hear around a lot of PPF is the reputable shops are probably not charging what they should be charging. And they think that they are because a rep from Expel or a rep from SunTech says, yeah, that's what everybody's charging. Yeah, man, you're doing good. What do they know? When I've really started to analyze the cost, it seems to me we're looking at an industry that's anywhere from 15 to 
off on their pricing at most shops. Best case scenario, 15%. I've heard and talked to a bunch of shop owners that I love and love talking to that by all estimates, what, the reason they're struggling is their pricing is off by 30, 40%. It's not an easy business to make a ton of money in. You got to be efficient. You got to understand your software. You can't waste film. You got to set your plotter up properly. You got to work on an efficiency. It's not just about the install. And so all the detailers that are hearing all this information, oh, you know, PPF will kill it in your business. No, I got a bunch of detailers that are probably going to back out of PPF. They're struggling. No harm, but they're struggling because the price isn't high enough. Their installs aren't efficient enough. And I understand and sympathize with that. But detailers, we complain about, you know, somebody's coding is cheap or what. Coding costs you 20, 30 bucks on an application. Application of full body C8 Corvette. What if you burn two grand in film? Did you charge that? Do you have that figured into the cost? What about paying your rent? What about eating? What about paying your people? Man, the cost goes up quick. I don't think the PPF industry is having this conversation loudly enough or at all that I can find. This is just my two cents of the last year of really analyzing the cost of doing PPF. The vast majority of people are taking advice from an Expel rep or SunTech rep or Premium Shield rep, and no offense to those reps, but they've never had a successful shop. They haven't gone through inflation. So what is the point of this? The point of this to me is we get asked all the time, what, what should I uh, charge for an Uno job, for a dose job, for a tray job? I get it, man. We've shared some advice on here. We've given you the pathway. We, we've explained to you what you should think about doing, but I never gave anybody, you have to firmly charge this. If you can't sit down and go through what it costs you to run your business on a job, from gas, if you're a mobile guy to get there, to running your machines, if you're a shop guy, what's your rent, what's your overhead, what's your job cost? You really can't come up with pricing. Because I may be working in an area where rent is really low. And so $19.99 for a front end could be incredible profit. But a $19.99 front end in Vegas with, with bodies helping you, with team members, with high rent, $19.99 isn't some fantastic number. Not unless you're throwing full front ends on in no time flat and doing two, three, four, five, six, seven a day. People can argue this whatever they want. When you put pen to paper, it's the same problem we have in the coding part of our business and the detailing. If you don't sit down and do the numbers yourself, man, you don't know what anything costs you. And I know a lot of guys losing, most PPF shops go out of business. They don't go out of business because they don't know how to install film largely. It's because they don't understand the numbers of how expensive it is to run a film business. Because it's expensive. I got a lift in here. Even if you have race ramps, go price those. Quick jack, that's expensive. What if it goes down? Now you're on your hands and knees on your back doing film. That's not enjoyable. You're slower. Now your efficiency's down. It's an interesting conversation to me. Because as the price of everything in the business has gone up, I'm largely seeing people charging the same thing they were charging five years ago. 
And then they're telling me they're not making money in a conversation. I'm like, dude, how could you charge that for five straight years? Films up, rents up, insurance up, team members up, labor's up through the roof. How in the hell is this happening? Bad advice? Maybe. No information? Maybe. But there's a lot of information out there. And I, I think if I could say one thing, detailers take some, some solace in this. Every part of this aftermarket industry is struggling with pricing not being what it should be. You have to go out there and create your pricing and you got to make sure it makes your business money so you can keep your doors open and expand. If you don't, you're going to die. You're not going to be in business. But largely the information, getting trained on a skill is very different than getting trained on what you should be charging somebody. That's what I think I'm learning. We have a lot of people teaching skills and then they're also giving business advice that they're not really capable of giving. Happens in detailing every day, happens in PPF every day now. You you got to make some money, man. Otherwise, you can't stay in business and you can't feed your family and you can't feed the families of your team members. But I think it's one of the interesting things that I found out the last year is I think largely the biggest piece of advice I've had to give to guys struggling is your prices aren't high enough. In the PPF sector, that's the number one piece of advice when guys have reached out to me and they go, oh, I did... 120,000 last month. And you know, there's just not as much money as I bought. It's like, well, what are you doing a full front end? I'm doing full front end at 1599. It's like, dude, there's no money in that. Not where you live. Don't be scared to charge, but it takes talent to charge your sales process. Everything's got to be dialed in. It's a reality that we face, but I think that's an interesting thing to share today is there's so much information out there that the information that you take in is really going to define whether you can have success. And the PPF pricing information, I believe in my, what I've done, the math, math here in Vegas is way off, way off. I want to finish with this because I got a rare week in my life where I got to put some headphones in and work on a full body PPF. And it was a lot of listening to podcasts and, and, and things like that, because that's what I do. I largely, when I detail, I listen to podcasts. Hey, I listened to a couple fighting podcasts, UFC podcasts, and had some, some of those moments, but largely I try to listen to business or marketing or, um, you know, uh, fitness stuff or whatever, you know, something to get better. I want to leave everybody with just a few minutes of a thought here. It's never been easier to get great information. You can listen to Navy SEALs like David Goggins and Jocko Willink, who have been in the firefights and, and know about leadership and know what it means to, to actually get shit done when it's at, you know, a crazy level in war. You can listen to high level business people. You can, you can find really great people to listen to. But when you listen, you also have to hear. You can't just listen to the words. You got to ingest the words. But there's another part that I realize I fail at a lot of times, like many of us do. You've got to then put it into action. I get asked so many times about somebody's business struggling, or they want to be bigger, or they want to make more money. The blueprint of being successful has been done, man. I mean, everybody who's successful gets up early. 
works long hours and largely has done that for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, not for five minutes. So when everybody asks me, I, I feel like I never really have the right answer for anybody. I say some things on this podcast. I may come across that I know some things, whatever. But what hit me this week is it's never been easy, never been easier to get great information at your fingertips. And it's only going to get easier. But how many of us listen and pay attention and then do the follow through of the action? That's the hardest part. You want a successful business, I really can only give you the formula that I've watched work for a lot of my successful clients as well as for myself. Try get up, getting up at four or five o'clock every morning, work until the sun goes down for the next five to 10 years of your life. The odds you won't find success are pretty low. You'll be successful. There is nothing else. <laughs> I listened to a bunch of people talk this week and I respect the hell out of them. And you know what I come across? Got to put the time in, got to pay attention. You got to put action plan in. You got to go out there. You got to do some things, wake up early, get off work late, give that sacrifice for five to 10 years. And then your life can change, but it's not going to happen overnight. The skill of paying attention to what successful people say is something I take very seriously when I get the opportunity to listen and talk to people and it's the one thing I wanted to share from this week. I listened to a lot of podcasts that got me thinking and got me coming up with an action plan of what is our next moves at HyperClean? What are our next moves at VR? What are our next moves as a family? What are my next moves in this and that? And all of you have access to that information. You can choose to watch an Instagram live or a YouTube that brings no value of somebody just saying crazy stuff, or you can search out reputable people and put their action plans and things that they found success in into your life and maybe find some success. But the one thing I realized at the end of this week is, wow, there is no secret. People keep asking me for the secret and I just gave it again. Wake up early, go to bed late. Work 15, 16 hours for the next five years. Don't take any vacations you're magically going to have a successful business. I wish there was something else because that's the only thing I found is in listening to all these people, they sacrificed at some point, that time, that effort, that money. I want to thank everybody. I got a weekend. I just found this out. looks like uh, the Nate Diaz fight might be off. I was supposed to go tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be off. Looks like Chamayev missed weight by seven pounds. I, I just, that's the latest news I got for you fight fans out there. I know some of you reach out to me, but, uh, yeah, supposed to go to the UFC fight tomorrow night here in Vegas. We'll see, but Hey, if not, I'll have a good time anyway. Uh, but I was hoping to watch the Nate Diaz Chamayev fight in person. So everybody have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.